the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, I'm going to bring back a long dead segment. What might that be? One quick question. Oh, what a great segment. Who came up with that one? I don't know. It's uh, really feel, it's got the feel of an Ed Birdsall segment. It might be. It might be with a nice little alliteration in there. Who doesn't love a nice little alliteration? Come on now. Yeah. So my one quick question for you. Yeah. Is what TV shows are you watching? Oh, thank goodness you asked. Thank goodness you asked. So after we recorded the review on Sunday night, I received a text from a friend of mine saying that I absolutely need to drop everything that I'm doing and watch this little show called Yellowstone. And I had heard about it. I was just kind of like, okay, you know, whatever. I'll, 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 you know, put it on my list and then I'll get there. But he also was the same dude that, that, that asked me or told me about Ted Lasso. So his word right now is very good. He, he's on a roll. He's, he was one for one. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give Yellowstone a shot. Yellowstone is better than Game of Thrones. Wow, I didn't think we were going to be doing hot takes, but that's a hot take. Oh, it's a steaming take. It is a steaming take, but I am I'm here for it. In the words of Jake Simone, get out the oven mitts. The oven mitts are out. The oven mitts are out. They are on. Game of Thrones is fantastic, but just not my kind of speed in terms of subject matter. With Yellowstone, we got three of my favorite things. Cowboys, politics, and sex. It's great. Plus, Kevin Costner. Oh, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. I highly, highly recommend it. I am on episode nine of season one. They're about 53-ish minutes long per episode, so it's not as easy of a watch as like Ted Lasso. That's 30-ish minutes. But it it's riveting, riveting television. And it came up because the new season of Yellowstone just started on Sunday. So my goal, don't think I'm going to get there because it's a lot to watch. But my goal is to be caught up enough to be ready to watch the new season Sunday night. I think a more realistic target is going to be next Sunday night. Well, yeah, I think that's when I can get it. I can get it done. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I'll give, I'll give you a great example. I was, so we watched the end of Monday night football last night, by the way, great game. That fourth quarter was fantastic. Blew away my expectations. Horrible officiating. Oh Oh, God. Tony Carrente. This, this is why we need, we need new young blood. But then again, the new referees suck too. So they just all blow. Um, anywho, so watch the end of the Monday night football game. Then this was like 1135. I texted my boy. I was like, oh my God, thank, thank goodness. This game is over. So I can watch Yellowstone. <laughs> I started watching Yellowstone at exactly 1136. I did not come away from my devices. I, I started on my laptop and then I had to switch to my phone when my laptop, you know, was on like 1%. I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this on the, on the, on the, on the desk. 
and I'll lay down and I'll watch it on my phone. Next time I checked the clock at him, it was 4.05. <laughs> and having to, not- having to be up for a program at, at 8.30. Well, this is not the first time that I've heard one of these stories from you. It happens. It happens. See, this is this is where Peacock just, just gets you. Because you end an episode and it says, oh, you want to go on to the next one? Well, every streaming service does yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's like Par- it's like Paramount. It's like Netflix. It's like Disney. It's it's, it's all the same. It's all the same. Thing. I think HBO is great for that. HBO, HBO, yeah, HBO too. Yeah, totally. HBO Max. Um, so I have a couple of sh- well, okay. Before I talk about what I'm watching, I do have one question for you. The segment we now called one more question, or we could just call it two quick questions, or that, or. One very elongated question and then one really short question. So I know how much you love early Westworld. Oh, yes. Yes. How does that compare to Yellowstone? TBD. Only be only because I have to continue watching Yellowstone. Because if Yellowstone progressively gets better, then I have to say Yellowstone is better than Westworld. Because Westworld season one was again it's one of the the best television television things i've ever watched in my life but then it progressively just kind of you know season two was kind of meh season three was no season three was not my thing with yellowstone i've only seen the one season but you know we we just got to make that natural progression hopefully you know when we get to season two probably tonight I'll, i'll be watching season two Hopefully it gets it, it does get a little bit better and it just goes it ratchets it up a notch. But definitely Yellowstone is in that uh, Game of Thrones, Sopranos, uh, Westworld season one category of great television things that I've seen in my life. Okay, so I have a couple shows actually because I'm very like I don't know I watch things occasionally because I also like playing video games and watching sports. So you know. I've been playing or I've been watching the Sopranos, of course, still picking away Fantastic. Uh, midway through season four. Great show gets better as, as it goes on. Every episode is great. Very funny, very quotable. And honestly, like it, I almost feel like it hasn't gotten like the best yet. Like the Pine Barrens episode is really good. And that's season three. Well, the Pine Barrens episode is widely regarded as one of the best episodes of the entire series. Yes. By pretty so much everybody. So funny. I, I, I will watch it again. It's just great. It, it's one of those episodes that you can literally just watch over and over and over again because it, it's it's just that good. Yep. Um, and then I'm also watching. Have you ever seen Silicon Valley? I have not, but I have, I have heard good things. So that show actually funny that you mentioned game of Thrones earlier. Um, the reason that I got into Silicon Valley was years ago because it would, it debuted after game of Thrones. It was the show that was on right after game of Thrones. Yes. Yes. I do. I do recall. And there, that's how it got its exposure. Mm -hmm. And so that show is, is a show about like a startup in uh, Silicon Valley. And it's a lot of like, you know, I'm not super into like 
that whole, you know, comp sci techie IT crowd. I have friends that are, so I can kind of understand some of the jokes that they make, but a lot of it is satire of that sort of community and that industry. And the stuff that does like uh, boil up to the surface level, I really do enjoy. And then also Futurama, I'm watching again because it's a phenomenal TV show. It's very funny. Another show that's very satirical, you know, created by Mac Groening, who is pretty funny. And well, you know, Mac Groening, of course. Yes. Yes, the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's well, funny. again, I, and, and I know we've had this conversation before, but not on air anyway. Um, I think we have had it on air once, maybe, but like comedy TV shows, I, I just don't like. I'm weird. Like I, I have a very, very select sense of humor, and kind of like that sly backwards humor is what gets me. I, 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 I absolutely love it. But that in-your-face needs to make you laugh hysterical,ness that a lot of other people love. It, it does. It doesn't hit me the same way. Like. And, and then there's like silly humor where I'm like, you know, I got to be in the mood for it. Like the office, the office is probably the one exception to that. Cause I, I could just go on and on and on about how the office is just, it, it, it it's television gold. What I, what I put it in the same category as the Sopranos, Yellowstone, uh, Westworld season one, Ted Lasso. No, no, I wouldn't, but would it be like a, a step below that? Yes. Yes, it would. I understand. I think that for some, I'm kind of both ways. I think that like shows aside from like friends can, that which can be kind of funny, but like shows with laugh tracks, I never really got into it. Like friend, the shows that have laugh tracks that I kind of got into are like friends and Seinfeld. That's all I can really think of at the moment. Well, when, when I was, when we all were younger, I mean the the best one that had the laugh tracks is probably Drake and Josh. Yeah, I mean that's that's one, definitely. But definitely, I think definitely that, dating myself when I say Drake and Josh. How how much are we dating ourselves? You know, actually, the dad from Drake and Josh went to visit my high school. Like really? Went, or no, not my high school. I mean middle school. Weirdly enough, middle school huh. was a fun time. Shaq came to my, to my middle school. At, at one point, for some reason, just oh, Shaq's coming to Port Washington, New York, for reasons. He knew somebody, I, I guess. But I think that I kind of like that subtle humor of like Futurama, where okay, not all of it's subtle, but like a lot of like kind of the like the satire jokes, and then The Sopranos is funny because it's very quotable. And you have all like the jokes and stuff like that. It's it's that dark intellectual humor. That's what I like. Like the whatever happened there joke is really funny. And uh, like the interior decorator joke is really funny, but nobody get like, it's one of those jokes that like you tell it to somebody and like nobody laughs. But like when you see it in the episode, it's really funny. Yep, that's correct. And then uh, Lewis, the whatever's finance minister, is also <laughs> up there. <laughs> and then a lot of 
And then a lot of other ones that we probably can't say on this podcast. Yeah, I picked probably three of the only safer work jokes on The Sopranos. So, uh, funny story. So, and, and then we then we will uh, we'll get to the main crux of the podcast. So we are twelve minutes in already, and we've we've killed plenty of time. Um, so I'm going to my my stepsister is getting married this this weekend, Most and. Tough. I was talking to my father today, and apparently, apparently, this is this is just word in the street, and I will be able to confirm or deny um, next week. Uh, the Polly Walnuts is going to be in attendance. Tony Sirico, Tony Sirico, at this wedding. Yes, that is that that that's the word. That's funny. That is. That is the word. I will have official confirmation for everyone next week as to whether or not I met Tony Sirico. Adam, you will know before the audience does, because guess what? If he is there, you could bet your ass that I'm getting a picture with Tony Sirico all decked out. You could bet your ass. Oh, my God. That's great. So we'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I hope so, because to be completely honest, I don't, I don't want to be talking to any of these people at the wedding. I would sit with Tony Sprinkle the entire time and ask him all sorts of questions. Yeah, and maybe get him to record himself saying, oh, hey, oh, what do you hear? What do you say? <laughs> uh, okay. Anyhow, oh, yeah, oh, right. We got to talk about fantasy football now. I know. Listen, I was told that we have that I needed to kill some time. So I think I did a pretty good job. Adam, if there's one thing, well, there are three guarantees in life, death taxes and Adam knowing how to kill time on a podcast. That's a, it's a skill. It's a talent. <laughs> it is. It is. There's voice talents and there's wasting time talents. I think Adam qualifies as both of those. That's the most backhand compliment you've ever given me. I'm sure I'll one up it very soon. Okay, so Mr. Birdsall, please tell the audience what exactly we're going to be talking about because it's a little different because we try to do something different every week with this show now. Yeah, and this definitely is a a different sort of show. So I was uh, able to communicate with, uh, with you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your input, by the way, those of you that provided your input. And basically what I asked was are, if there are players that performed very well in the first half of the year that maybe have doubts for the second half of the year, if they can continue to play at the level they've been playing at, what are the odds that they do it? So first half star performers, what are the odds that in the second half of the year they can keep those star performances up? That is exactly what we'll be doing today. So I was able to get three from each position and we will be going through and we will be discussing them at nauseum and probably debating. And Adam, I just I also want to point this point this out because this was this was also pointed out to me. Um, the Aaron Rodgers debate that we had the last episode apparently was very entertaining. I'm sure it was. Don't know how, but for some they found it entertaining. I think it was it was the nipple piercing joke that I made. I think that really set it off. I'm sure that that set the humorous tone. Yeah. 
just I Dr. Joe Rogan piece of whatever. Dr. Joe Rogan. Honestly, he might as well have just said Dr. Alex Jones. It would have <laughs> been the same thing to me. For me, he could have said Dr. Rachel Maddow. It would have been the same thing to me. Uh, so the first player that we're going to be talking about is a quarterback, of course, going position by position. And this is a guy whose stock is kind of going down a little bit after like an I don't know. Well, listen, this game against Cleveland was not good, to say the least. And this is a player that people had questions about coming into the draft because of his knee injury. And that's Joe Burrow. In case you couldn't figure that one out, considering that I just dropped a bunch of hints. But yeah, it's Joe Burrow. You gave a lot of hints. I gave a lot of hints. I mean, 7.1 fantasy points against Cleveland, two picks, 282 yards, which is nice. No touchdowns, two picks. Um, yeah. What do you think? But, like, aside from that and the game at Soldier Field in week two where he scored 10 points, those were his two lows throughout the season. Um, even the Jet game where they lost and they got, like, you know, humiliated and blowing that late lead, he still had 259 yards and three touchdowns. So for 19.9 fantasy points. So Joe Burrow's had a good season so far. I mean, do you think that he can keep this up now? See, this was actually kind of a surprise to me because do I think Joe Burrow has been very good? Has he blown away expectations coming off of the devastating knee injury last year? Yeah, he he absolutely has 100%. I think he Uh, blew away expectations coming back in week one, frankly. It probably uh, that, that that is probably right, but you know w- we break down Joe Burrow's numbers uh, by fantasy points per game. He only has three games that are over twenty points out of nine. He has his bye this week. It, it it's a little strange because there's this image that Joe Burrow is just lighting the league alight. But in terms of fantasy, I mean, he ranks as the number nine quarterback. He averages about 18 fantasy points per contest, which which is solid. But you have to look at it through the lens of. Through the lens of the quarterback position in general. Is Joe Burrow going to be a guy that is a ceiling sort of play? Probably not. Unless you want to say your ceiling is 25 points. If that's the ceiling, then sure, I guess. But for me, Joe Burrow wasn't a guy that I was expecting to talk about when we went through this. Because I, I, I honestly, Joe Burrow has been kind of what I would expect him to be, which is solid if not unspectacular. And he's had two down weeks in a row. And we, we talked about him on the, uh, on the review show where he has this, I guess if you want to call it habit, we can call it habit of zeroing in on Jamar chase and 
that's kind of it. Five of his 11 interceptions this year, Adam, have come when he has thrown the ball to Jamar Chase. That is about half. So what does that say? Well, that says that it's a trend. The teams know what he's doing. Correct. And he can't get away with it because either he's not good enough or Jamar Chase isn't good enough that you could just do that. Not good enough yet. Yet. They're still very, very young. And I'm not going to say that eventually Joe Burrow can't develop into that guy that can just zero in on his guy, make a pinpoint throw, and 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 that's that. But the because thing I is, mean Joe Montana zeroed in on Jerry Rice every single uh play. And exactly. It worked out fine for him. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh it's Tom Brady, but that's besides the point. Um with Burrow, though. The most important thing that with, with this whole episode is zeroing in on what he can do rest of season. After his buy, he has Las Vegas. He has Pittsburgh. He has the Chargers. He's at Las Vegas, then has a three-game homestand, Pittsburgh, Chargers, San Francisco 49ers, at Denver, at home versus Baltimore, and then at home versus Kansas City. Out of all of those, he has five matchups where he is a locked and loaded starter. Vegas, Pittsburgh, Chargers, San Fran, Kansas City. Would I play him versus Denver? Probably. Probably. Would I play him at versus Denver? Baltimore? Probably. I don't know if to... I'd play him at Denver at this uh, point. He's, he's a questionable one. And, and we know when we get there, I'm sure we'll have a debate about, about Burrow, whether or not he's a start or not. But the Baltimore one, people are going to say, well, he's going against Baltimore at home. What did he do against Baltimore when he played Baltimore in Baltimore? Well, against Baltimore in Baltimore, he was 23 for 38. 416 yards passing, three touchdowns, one pick for 27 and a half fantasy points. Do we think he that happens his, again? He only had his season high in fantasy points against Baltimore in Baltimore. And his season high in yards by almost 70, which speaks volumes. Do I think that Joe Burrow is going to be a guy that's going to be, again, a ceiling play? Every single week, rest of season? No, I don't. But is he a safety blanket? You want 18, 20 points in the position? He's probably going to get you that most weeks, rest of season? Yes, he is that guy. Rest of season, in my ranks, I have Joe Burrow as my number 12 quarterback on the button. So he is a low-end QB1 right on right on the edge uh, for Joe Burrow rest of season number 12 quarterback rest of the way. And if you have them, you probably have someone else to go with them. And I mean, I mean, Adam, question. Adam, if you, if you wanted to pull it up before you ask your question and just do, you know, would you rather with, with, with Burrow rest of season, I think that could be definitely something that the, uh, that the people would love. Well, actually I was kind of going to ask something along those lines, like who is Joe Burrow around? Senior Rex. I know. You're so connected. Look at us. We are. So, in terms of who Burrow is around in my ranks, I have Aaron Rodgers at number nine. 
I have Russell Wilson at number 10. I have Ryan Tannehill at 11. I have Jalen Hurts at 13. Those are just kind of guys that he's in and around, if that helps. Well, those are guys with high ceiling. Well, except for maybe Ryan Tannehill. Guys with high ceilings, but question marks surrounding them. Yeah, and and I think some people are going to ask, you know, why I have Tannehill over Burrow. Uh, For me, I just think now without Derrick Henry, Tannehill's going to have to take more chances. And, you know, they can't just dump the ball off to uh, to Derrick Henry or run the ball of Derrick Henry 35 times, and at least Ryan Tannehill only dropping back 25-30. He's going to have to take more chances downfield, getting the ball to A.J. Brown, getting the ball to Julio Jones, and I think it helps his fantasy value. And you can't hope that the defense is going to get like three picks or two picks and Correct. pick six. Correct. Correct. So, um, yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Interesting stuff. Love him. Love him. I can't wait, I can't wait to see him back. My Devontae Adams take beats it. But uh, Russell Wilson also was kind of interesting because, I mean, looks like he's going to be playing this week. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much all but confirmed that Russell Wilson is going to be back this week. So it'll be interesting Interesting to see how that goes. Um, the next guy is somebody that you mentioned, Jalen Hurts. Oh, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Isn't interesting is a way to put it. Um, he now has two straight games of sub-20 fantasy points after not having any games under sub-20 fantasy points through week seven. Um, I mean, it's the rushing upside for Jalen Hurts that kind of saves him. And That's his also the, That's the fa- it's his foundation, really. Yeah, and also the fact that the Eagles are punting the season and that uh, Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball a fair amount per game. I mean, that also definitely helps. Well, you not know, recently. Not recently. No. I mean, throwing the ball 14 times against Detroit and then 17 times against the Chargers is not ideal. But most of the season, he was throwing the ball in either the mid-20s um, to mid-30s. And that Kansas City game, Threw the ball 48 times. Outlier sort of game. Definitely. Right. Like, I don't think, I don't no. think Philadelphia ever wanted Jalen Hurts to be dropping back 48 times. No, but I think, you know, mid, mid twenties to mid thirties is what you're going to expect him to do as far as pass attempts. Yeah. Ideally you want him to be in that 30 to 35 range. And so what do you think Jalen Hurts looks like for the rest of the season? Well, I said Jalen Hurts is my number 13 quarterback for, for the rest of the year. So he is uh, outside my, my top 12. And it has nothing to do with Jalen or, or Jalen as a, a fantasy asset. I think Jalen is a fantastic fantasy asset. I mean, I was very much on board with Jalen Hurts uh, being a guy that a lot of fantasy managers should be taking in the late round of, of, of drafts. And for me, what it really comes down to is it comes down to the last two weeks. 
31 pass attempts combined in the last two weeks. That's, that's just not good enough. It's not enough to sustain starter numbers when you have other options for the most part that are going to be dropping back and are going to be throwing the ball more. Now, the opposite to that is Jalen is not going to be putting the ball in the other team's hands. Like he only has four interceptions on the year. That's good. You need Jalen Hurts for the rushing with the rushing. He, if he is not running the ball, there is basically no floor. And then it's just whatever you can get in the passing game. I'm in the boat and this is going to sound very, very harsh, but is what it is. I'm in the camp that the Philadelphia Eagles and their coaching staff have absolutely no idea what they're doing in terms of play calling. Nick Sirianni has never even been a play caller in the National Football League. This is his first rodeo with not only being a play caller, but being a head coach. So that's that. And you have to look at it through the lens of the Eagles are just not a very good football team. And you have to... I don't want to say assume because that's not the right word, but you would have to think that at some point, what are the odds that Jalen Hurts gets pulled for Gardner Minshew? Because the Eagles did not bring Gardner Minshew in to just hold a clipboard. They're, they're going to want to see what they have there. And I, well, I think Jalen is the guy that the Eagles should be building around. Nick Sirianni is going to want his own guy, and that's not Jalen Hurts. That's a Howie Roseman guy. That's a Doug Peterson guy. Nick Sirianni is probably going to be, you know, trying to see if Jalen is his guy. And if he's not his guy, then he wants to figure that out sooner rather than later so he can go and get his guy. Because right now the Eagles, they have three first-round picks, or at least will be slated to have three first-round picks in this upcoming draft they could very easily take one of those picks and use it on a quarterback. And Jalen Hurts has a real problem. And so, they might have multiple in the top 10 also. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100% right. 100% right. So it's it, just about the Eagles trying to figure out what they have. And I really don't know about, about the week-to-week. He kind of he kind of has the same problem as, as Burrow, where the week-to-week floor may be okay, but the week-to-week upside, I'm not exactly sure what that might be, and and then throw into the mix that Jalen Hurts could not be in a job sooner rather than later. So that, that, that's a problem in and of itself. I would love for the Jets to have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, a, a lot of teams would. I mean, it, you could – you could fix Jalen Hurts as a thrower. I, I, I'm I'm completely completely convinced that when you have a guy that has the rushing upside that he does, I I think you have something like there. But the problem is the Eagles just don't have anybody that can catch the ball, and that's what they're trying to do with, you know, with taking Devonta Smith in in last year's draft, taking Dallas Goddard a few years ago. They have to give Jalen Hurts weapons, and I'm not sure if he has that at this moment in time in, in Philadelphia, which may or may not be hurting him. But you can't blame the lack of weapons for the fact that Jalen Hurts has only had 20 completions over the last two weeks on 31 dropbacks. Yeah, I mean, it's not good enough. No, it's not. It's not good enough at all. 
yeah, it, it, it is not good enough at all. And, uh, you know, all the Jalen Hurts managers out there, Godspeed. Hopefully uh, you have a better option that you can kind of fall back on. And um, I mean, also, <sighs> it, yeah, I mean, also, it's like we talked about on the review show where the Eagles just don't know what to do with any of their players that run the football, whether it be Jalen Hurts or uh, Kenny Gainwell, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott. I mean, it's an absolute mess. Well, again, Adam, it all comes to, it all comes down to the play calling and it all comes down to the coaching staff that, you know, this is a first time coach. This is the first time head coach and a first time play caller. So he's trying to learn two things at once. And, you know, one week they're forgetting about the, the run game when they played Dallas and only Miles Sanders had, I think, three touches on the game, if I'm not mistaken. And then now it's they get close to the red zone and it's the it's the Sean McVay theory where you just get the ball to your running backs and they punch it in. But the problem is to getting to the red zone, they're using their running backs as well. And they're just, you know, there's ground and pound style of offense. And, you know, it, for for the NFL, for IRL, that's fine. That's a totally fine way to do it. But in terms of fantasy, that's not what you want. Unless of course you have Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, uh, Kenny Gainwell, eventually Miles Sanders, then, then yeah, that's fine. But for, 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 for Jalen hurts, it's not good. No, it's good. No, it's not good. And, I don't know. I mean, his schedule isn't great. I mean, it's honestly, I don't know. It's kind of good. You know, he has Denver this week on the road, which is not great. That might be a very not fun game for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. As uh, trips to Denver usually are, they're not fun. And then they're home against New Orleans. Then they have the MetLife Mambo against the Jets and Giants. Could be and then good they have, starts there. And then uh, they have their bye. And then home against Washington, home against the Giants. And then they are going to Landover, Maryland, and then home against Dallas in week 18. Yeah. Sucks. The week 14 bye does suck a lot. Yeah. Sucks a lot, but. Uh... Yeah, if, if, if you're asking me, I don't know. I, I just kind of think that the the floor for Hertz is fine. The ceiling is okay. But the job security is is, is, is a big problem. Is a big problem because there, there's there's something in my head that says to me that there is a real chance that Jalen Hurts could be benched for Gardner Minshew at some point. Which would be a Frankly, a shame. I don't know. If I Jalen Hurts. I don't know. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. He's a young quarterback. I mean, listen. I was the kind of I was sad when Josh Rosen was like screwed over for the Cardinals picking Kyler Murray first overall. Yeah, Josh, Rose, Josh Rosen was never good to begin with, but I'm just saying that it's annoying when you have. He never got the like, chance. He never got the chance. Yes, exactly. That's fair. That's very fair. Because he probably could have been good with 
the right coaching staff. I mean, it's the same thing that's happening with Sam currently. Get well soon, by the way. He has a shoulder fracture. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I think I think yeah. Sam's problem might be that Sam, again, like like Josh Rosen, just sucks. Yeah. That the Jets that the Jets actually may have ruined him. Sorry, Adam. It's okay. It's not okay. Hopefully, hopefully the uh, hopefully Zach has better luck than uh, than Sam. And if it's not Zach, then you just have Mike White. And if you don't have Mike White, then you have Josh Johnson. That's not comforting. Wasn't supposed to be. Okay. Next guy, Josh Allen. Um, interesting because Josh Allen, I didn't. I didn't feel like when I first got this list, I was like, oh, Josh Allen hasn't outperformed his ADP. People drafted Josh Allen early, didn't they? But, I mean, I don't know. People drafted Josh Allen in the same, like, range as, like, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak. Yeah, he's he's a weird one, Josh Allen. Because he's had monster games, and then he's had mediocre to his standards sort of games. If we're going mediocre to his standards, nine against Jacksonville is horrendous. 19.1, 16.5, 16.4. The double digits aren't bad. But then the monster games, 36 against Washington, 36 against Kansas City, 28 versus Tennessee, 28 versus Miami. The common theme with all of those games, except for the except for the Tennessee game, where he just threw for 353 yards and dropped back 47 times, but I digress anyway, is the rest of those games, he has a rushing, rushing touchdown to boot. So that elite rushing ability that Josh Allen has combined with the high-power offense that the Buffalo Bills have, it, it, it suits Josh Allen very well. And... We look at his schedule going the rest of the way. It's quite good at the Jets, Indianapolis, at New Orleans could be a little tricky there. At home versus the Patriots, at Tampa Bay that have very very depleted secondary, at home versus Carolina, at New England, then Championship Week he's home versus the Atlanta Falcons. Adam Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs may win people fantasy championships again, based oh. on that Week 17 matchup. I mean. For my you sake, got, you, I hope so. You have to get there first. But Josh Allen, what he may do to the Atlanta defense, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He's a number so five quarterback. Breaking news. Yeah. yeah. So the Hofstra basketball game against Houston has come to a pretty nice conclusion at the end of regulation. Yep. Yes, it is. It is a very, very nice scoreline heading into overtime. Yep. Just wanted to uh, point that specify, out. Yeah, specify that because you know. But yeah, I'll make I'll make this I'll make this quick just because we have to get to the uh, the running backs and and we could spend more time on other guys. But Josh Allen's number five quarterback in fantasy right now. He's basically a twenty four point per game guy. Uh, my number two quarterback for the rest of the season. There are no concerns about Josh Allen. 
It, literally not. I bet you nobody even asked you about Josh Allen. You just wanted to talk about Josh Allen. You just put his name in here. You're like, oh. No, I we did. We actually about- did have a question about Josh Allen. We did. Oh, okay. We did. I He was not a guy that I would have thought we would be talking about. Because honestly, I did not think anybody would have even a doubt that Josh Allen would be good. But I mean, look, the Jacksonville game did happen. And people are a little nervous that maybe, you know, that may happen again. And I am here t- to report that that is probably not going to happen too often. Well, I think I can understand the concern just because maybe people were thinking, oh, Josh Allen's playing over his head. He's going to come back down to earth. What is that going to look like after last year? Well, the Bills are still a very, very good football team. Josh Allen is still an elite fantasy option. There is zero concern. Zero. I'm not saying that I was thinking that. I'm just saying that that's a, you know. That could be what people think. And I'm 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 telling those people there is zero concern with Josh Allen. None. None. Okay. So the first running back is Elijah Mitchell of the San Francisco 49ers. A guy that I don't think a lot of people drafted. No, he was not drafted at all. And I, I, honestly, Adam, I don't think we've talked about Elijah Mitchell hardly ever. We really don't. It's kind of funny. We really yeah. don't talk about Elijah Mitchell. Like I Sometimes I just forget that he plays for the 49ers because I just don't pay as much attention as I should. But, um, I mean, he was also injured for a couple weeks. Uh, that's a factor. And, I mean, Elijah Mitchell... I don't know. He is in. A, he's in a timeshare, correct? That that much I know. He's in a timeshare with uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., especially, and that's kind of eaten into his fantasy production, where he hasn't broken twenty at all in full point PPR this season. Well, Jeff Jeff Wilson was just activated from IR. He has been in a committee, but it's been more of Jamichael Hasty that fair enough has okay. kind of been the thorn in 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 the side. Shows how granted, well I pay attention to the 49ers. Granted that it was a weird game. Elijah Mitchell had 13 touches on the game. Uh, Jeff Wilson did not record a snap at all, even though he was activated. And then Jamichael Hasty had four obviously reflected in the fantasy points for Jimmy Garoppolo, who had a good day given the need for the 49ers to throw, throw, throw. And that obviously reflected with Brandon Ayuk having a nice day and George Kittle having a nice day as well. With, with Elijah Mitchell, the biggest thing with him is, and Adam alluded to it, it's the committee. And if Elijah Mitchell can be, the guy in this backfield, if he can lead the committee and not be sniped for touchdowns by Jeff Wilson or Jamichael Hasty or, or, or Trey Sermon, if he ever decides to come around, I don't know. Then Elijah Mitchell will be great rest of season because looking at his schedule next week versus the Rams at home, eh, not my favorite there, but then 
at Jacksonville, at home versus Minnesota, at Seattle, at Cincinnati, at home versus Atlanta, at Tennessee, and then at home versus Houston in championship week. That's a really good schedule for Elijah Mitchell. The only thing that he has to do is A, stay healthy, and B, continue to be the number one guy in this offense. I have Elijah Mitchell rest of the season as a top 20 PPR play. And if you're looking for a guy to maybe go by on the on the low, that 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 could be that could be the guy. Yeah, I think, I mean, listen, like I said, I don't pay as much attention to the 49ers as I should. But just looking at the numbers here, it just seems like, and knowing the context of the 49ers backfield, now that they're getting healthier with uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. getting activated, Jermichael Hasty's there, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon might come back eventually. Uh, we'll see. But I don't know what the ceiling is going to be. I think the ceiling is limited for uh, Elijah Mitchell because he's in this committee and he's, he's yeah. a 20, 25 point guy. That's probably the ceiling, but he hasn't hit 20 points this season. No, no. He That's was close the ceiling though. He can be a 20, 25 point guy, but is he more probably at the lower end of that? Can you expect that from him? Yeah, probably. Probably. I don't think he's like a 30 point guy. I don't think he's a guy that's, you know, we'll be talking about as a top five on the week kind of guy, but can he be a really solid guy that gives you steady RB two numbers? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's like any, it could be uh, going anywhere near RB one or anything or anything like that, but can he be a steady RB two? Yeah. Yeah. Top 20 guy rest of the season. I mean, also outside of last week against Arizona, then numbers out of the backfield weren't great for him either. That's just not the kind of guy he is. So that also caps his production from a PPR perspective. It does. But I also, I also believe, and and Adam, you can check this for me, but I also believe that Elijah Mitchell had his most productive day as, as a receiver last week versus Arizona. That's why I said outside of last week against Arizona, he hasn't done much from out of the backfield there. Cause I believe the last two weeks where he was, uh, 16 points plus he did not record a reception at all. Correct. So, you know, you, you, you kind of sacrifice it with, with bitch for a little bit, but if you're able, if you're able to get him on the cheap, sit him this week and then flex him the rest of the way, I think it's a great option for, for teams that are uh, going to be playoff bound. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I could see that kind of, you're not relying on him to be the guy. He can be a flex for you if you have that luxury. The schedule, the schedule is fantastic. It's fantastic. Yep. Um, let's talk about the team that Elijah Mitchell is going to be playing this week, huh? I mean, it's like who it's like we plan this sort of thing, huh? Yeah. You can say that. Uh Darrell Henderson. Yeah, we actually had a lot of questions about about Darrell Henderson a lot, which again, again, I was very surprised. Elijah well, this, Mitchell. I wasn't yeah. too shocked. Henderson. I was surprised. Well, this week I think is more interesting for Darrell Henderson because Matt Stafford is more questionable than usual. Yes. And we might be seeing the backup. 
whoever that is. I think it's Bortles. No, Bortles. No, is it's not Bay. Bortles. Bortles is, is, Sean, in, uh... is it Sean Mannion this time? No. It is. I, 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 we went over this too. We went over this. Who the backup? Oh, it's for... uh, Jordan Walford. Oh, oh. Or Josh okay. Walford. John Walford. John Walford. John Walford. John Walford. Yes. Former Jets preseason legend, John Walford. That That's right. I remember now. That's the guy. So, yes, we could be seeing John Walford. He who won a playoff game or started a playoff game. Yes, but good. It's good for Stafford, though, that he has the extra day to uh, to be ready and, and for for the Rams too, there won't be an official injury report until Thursday. So just, just keep that in mind because they are playing Monday night. Yep. Um, but that does kind of affect Darrell Henderson. If it is going to be John Walford. Well, he could see more of a run. Definitely. There's the possibility that the, that the Rams are not as potent on offense, but at the same time, this is Sean McVay. I think he's going to make it really, really simple for, for John Walford. If, if he is, if he is the guy, but, that's just for this week. For rest of season, I mean, Darrell Henderson, he's given you no reason to question him at this point. I mean, Darrell Henderson has just been simply fantastic. I think the only the only question that you have to ask is how can the Rams just go straight back to Cam Akers next year and not give Darrell Henderson at least something? Because Darrell Henderson has just been that good. 16.5 fantasy points per week in full point PPR had a down week versus the Titans, but who really didn't if you were on the Los Angeles Rams outside of that, he had one down week versus the lions, which was definitely a surprise. But then outside of that, he's just been simply terrific. 15, 15 plus fantasy points in every game outside of those two get San Francisco this week on the road on Monday night football then has his bye, then is at Green Bay, Jacksonville, at Arizona, Seattle, at Minnesota, at Baltimore. So a solid schedule the rest of the way. Not not as good as Elijah Mitchell's, but very, very good for Darrell Henderson. He's given you no reason to even think about oh, what may happen if I can't play in fantasy playoffs. You're starting Darrell Henderson in fantasy playoffs 100%. Rest of the season, Darrell Henderson is my number 13 running back. You roll with him. You roll with him. And the only thing I can really stop Darrell Henderson is injury because he has had some injury issues in the past. So it's definitely something to keep mind of if you have Darrell Henderson is probably making a smart investment and trying to go out and make sure you have Sonny Michelle to, to, to cuff him. Yes. And uh, speaking of injury, you know, Darrell Henderson, we didn't talk about it because the Sunday night game, we recorded the review show before the Sunday night game. But uh, Darrell Henderson was sidelined with an ankle injury in the second quarter of that Sunday night game against yes. the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. So really monitor that practice report. It's funny that you bring up Cam Akers. I mean, this is definitely a next year question, but it will be very interesting, interesting to see what the Rams backfield looks like now that Darrell Henderson has kind of proven himself as a really good guy, like a good player. I honestly, honest to God, Adam, I, I find it very hard to believe. I mean, Jake made the point on, I forget what it was. It might've been the mailbag, but Jake seriously asked the question of is Cam Akers worth the number one overall pick at fantasy next year. And I literally looked at him and I wanted to laugh in his face because I, I honestly, I don't, I don't think that the Rams are just going to go right back to Cam Akers and be giving him 20, 25 touches a game. 
I don't I, even think I, I just don't see will it. Be a first round pick next year if this keeps up. He's probably a third, fourth round pick, Cam Akers. If 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 we are being realistic with ourselves, because there's going to be the hype with with Cam Akers anyway. He'll be he'll be. I'm assuming will be the number one running back for the Rams. So people will probably drive that price up. So let's just say on the low end, he's a third round pick for me right now on Tuesday, November 9th, I would rather have Darrell Henderson. If you're telling me that he's going to be drafted in round eight, round nine, I would rather have Darrell Henderson at that value than I would Cam Akers in round three. Now, I know that is damned and coming from me. Yes. Mr. Cam Akers truther over here. Cam Akers is my son. I love him, but we have to be realistic. And being realistic is I cannot say with confidence that Cam Akers is going to walk right back in to being the number one running back for the Los Angeles Rams by himself. I would even, I would even go as far as to say it is incredibly unlikely that he does so. Okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of like completely different uh, circumstance because uh, this player wasn't out due to injury. He was just out to be due out due to being an idiot. Uh, Le'Veon Bell and James Conner. Sort of, sort of. People didn't think that Steelers were going to really like do anything with the running game with Le'Veon Bell out, and then James Conner ended up being pretty good. Yeah, and yeah. But uh, it's kind kind of similar, not the same. But anyway, uh, yeah, very interesting. Really, Jake said first overall pick for Cam Akers with a straight face. I'm surprised. My jo- my jaw needed to be picked up off of the floor. Maybe this is one of those things where Jake is like a couple years early, like with J.K. Dobbins, like when Jake said that J.K. Dobbins is going to win people leagues. Maybe in 2019, maybe, maybe. or 2020, whatever. Maybe. But no, first overall pick, I don't, I don't think so. No, thank you. Uh, okay. So next guy is Lombardi Lenny. Again, this is, this is a very easy one that I don't think we need to spend too much time on. Leonard Fournette, he's the number one guy in a backfield where the quarterback for that offense is Tom Brady. I mean, he is going to be terrific the rest of the season. Plain and simple at Washington Giants at Indy at Atlanta. Buffalo will be a little tough for him, but he'll get some run definitely because I don't think teams are going to be able to stack the box when you have Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, AB, Gronk, then the Saints, then at Carolina, then week 17 fantasy championships at the New York Jets. Leonard Fournette is going to be terrific rest of season. I have him as my RB 14 rest of season in full point PPR. And you continue to start him in your lineups because he has been nothing short of terrific. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that like people, like the bucks were looking at trading Ronald Jones at the trade deadline. Yeah. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Cause Fournette has been, has been great for them. And like last year, it seemed like how many times have we talked? Did we talk about last year? Is it Fournette? Is it Jones? 
Is it Fournette? Is it Jones? Is it Fournette? Is it Jones? We have I mean, it's because now. I had both of it. It's because I had both of them. We know Maybe. the answer now. It is, is clearly Fournette. Yeah. Well, I mean, Fournette obviously, you know, has the he was drafted in the first round for a reason. Correct. By the Jaguars. And you know, he had a great career in college and he was good for good for Jacksonville and he's been good for Tampa Bay. It's funny. So uh, it's completely unrelated to the NFL, but it is related to Leonard Fournette. I forgot that he has a brother or a cousin named Leonard Fournette, but it's spelled differently. Yes. Because I was watching, because I was bored one day at work during lunch and I wanted, I was like, you know, I want to watch highlights from that nine overtime game between LSU and Texas A&M or seven overtime game between LSU and Texas A&M. And they, and the announcer was like, Fournette for four yards. And he's wearing number 27. I was like, wait a minute, what year is this? But it was Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, not Leonard Fournette. Same family, same family, same number, different spelling, whole bit. But anyway, I would highly recommend watching highlights from that game, by the way, it's fucking amazing. I will, uh, I'll make sure to, uh, to go have a look at uh, Leonard Fournette. Well, not just Leonard Fournette, but also all seven overtimes of that game. True, true. With one Joe Burrow at quarterback and Kellen Mond, Jake's guy. Great guy. Love Joe. Love Joe. Mike Williams. Playing for his cash. He is playing for his cash. It's a powerful force. It is. It is. But the issue now in the real question, I think a lot of fantasy managers are having is did they miss out on the opportunities to sell Mike Williams? The last three games, Mike Williams had a, a total of six catches dealing with a knee injury that has been uh, nagging at him. It hasn't been enough to put him on the injury report at all. Uh, so something to monitor if, if, and when, something does happen and he pops up on an injury report for no reason. If it's a knee, he's been dealing with this knee injury now for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we've seen Keenan Allen get more share of the offense. I said on the preview show that I thought this, that the game versus Philadelphia would be more of a Keenan Allen game. And boy, that proved to be the case. 12 catches for, for Keenan Allen versus two for Mike Williams. I definitely have concerns for the season with with Mike Williams. I always believed that for me, uh, the whole Mike Williams thing was a bit fluky. And now that he's dealing with a knee injury, yeah, there's definitely concern for me rest of season with Mike Williams. I have him as my wide receiver 22 rest of season in full point PPR. I'm probably definitely lower than the, than the consensus on that one. I don't know where the consensus has him. Uh, off the top of my head, but I would assume that I'm definitely lower than the consensus is on uh, on Mike Williams. So, if if you have the opportunity to deal him and and you know you get something a nice offer for him, then you know go ahead and and, and do it. But I'm afraid that the opportunity to really really make bank on on Mike Williams is probably gone. Well, really, the opportunity to sell high on Mike Williams, the last opportunity was the ridiculous circus that was the Cleveland game. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where he had 36.5 full point PPR points, eight catches for eight catches for 165 yards and two touchdowns on 16 targets. Now, 16 I, targets. I believe too, the way that um, ESPN does it. I only know this because I looked at it earlier. Um, they have like their IBM Watson set up and it is able to calculate, you know, based on their projections, what's a bust and what's a boom. I believe in every game this year, Mike Williams has been able to be classified as either a bust or a boom. And I think he's 50, 50. He has had four games as a bust, four games as a boom. Yep. That's correct. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And the four games where he was a bust were, you know, that game against the the Raiders that we thought was an aberration, but maybe a sign of things to come. And then um, his last three games at Baltimore, uh, home against New England, and then this past week against Philadelphia, where he uh, didn't hit double-digit points. Yeah, very, very quickly. Um, all tough matchups, though. All very, very tough matchups. I would expect Mike Williams, if he's going to have a game, Sunday versus Minnesota feels feels like a Mike Williams kind of bounce back game. It, 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 it has that has that aroma in the air. This could be Mike Williams' day to to shine, but I'm hesitant on being like slamming the desk that it's a Mike Williams day, like I was last week with with Keenan Allen. Okay, interesting. I think that Keenan Allen's getting better and better, and I'm not just saying that because we own Keenan Allen. I don't know how think... better though Keenan Allen can get. No, I'm saying like he's okay. He's continuing to be very, very good. Well, he's, like, always he's... Been, he's always been that good. Like there's there's a chance that Keenan Allen that's Keenan Allen's best fantasy day of the season right there, but. Can will he continue to be in that range? Yeah, Keenan Allen's as steady as they come. That's what's so great about Keenan. But Mike Williams is going to give you the ceiling, but he's not going to give you the floor. So it, it's very boomer bust with Mike Williams. So, well, literally, if you can, yeah, if you tell from ESPN's uh, IBM Watson yep. player insights, yes. Uh, next guy is Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, my guy, my guy. Uh, yeah, one of the worst decisions that we probably made was trading Hollywood for 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 DJ Moore. But you know, is is what it is. Listen, uh, he's just been terrific, hasn't he? He's outside of two games where he's posted less than ten points. He basically has been top ten, top fifteen every single week. Basically, been a wide receiver too at the very worst in most weeks looking at his schedule the rest of the way at Miami at Chicago at home versus Cleveland at Pittsburgh at Cleveland at home versus Green Bay at Cincinnati then at home versus the Rams it's a good schedule for him he's in a good offense where he is like the 1A 1B with Mark Andrews he has Lamar Jackson I have to say despite my criticisms of him in the past has been a much better passer this year than I think a lot of people are going to give him credit for um for me, Marquise Brown 
He's my wide receiver, 19, rest of the season. He's a top 20 guy. He's a plug-and-play, set-forget sort of dude. And, you know, you keep you keep rolling with it. Yeah, Hofstra lost, by the way, in overtime to Houston. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, Marquise Brown has been great. And I wish we hadn't traded him. That's all. That's all I got. Agreed. Um, next receiver, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Interesting is definitely a way to put it. Talk about volatility. Yeah. Yeah. He... He's a weird one because the Texans... The Texans just suck. But the thing is, he's going to be a target hog as long as Tyrod is the starter for this team, which makes him a very viable. Tyrod would be competent against the Dolphins, by the way. He was not competent. No. He was incompetent. he, He was not at all. But, but when we look at Cook's rest of season, He's got Seattle. Excuse me. He's got Tennessee. The Jets, after the bye this week. The Colts after the bye in week 10, correct. Then he has Seattle. Then he's at Jacksonville at home versus the Chargers. And he's at San Francisco. He has one, two, three, four. He has five matchups in a row where I will, I will definitely be ranking Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver too. Which is more than enough to set him and put him in your lineups. Now, rest of season, what do I think he's going to be? I have him right at wide receiver 24. I have him right on the cusp of being a high-end wide receiver three. He's a low-end wide receiver two. I think as long as Tyrod is the guy, he's going to be a wide receiver two for fantasy rest of season. If Tyrod is hurt again and they have to go back to Davis Mills, then Brandon Cooks is a mid-range wide receiver three at best. Yeah, I mean, there were points... Even because this Miami game where Brandon Cooks' terror wasn't great was Tarah's first game back in a couple weeks. I mean, Brandon Cooks was okay. Uh, You know, he had a good game against the Rams in the Brandon Cooks revenge game. True. And then he had a uh, pretty solid game against the Colts in Indianapolis. And then to start the season, you know, he was great too even though like most of part of that was Tarod and part of that was Davis Mills, where he had 18.2 points against Jacksonville, 22.8 against Cleveland on the road. And then 20.7 at home against Carolina. He's going to be, he's going to be very consistent. He just needs Tarod to be his guy. And if Tarod is not going to be the guy and Tarod's going to be hurt and it's going to be Davis Mills, then there's a problem and there's a big problem. Because Davis Bills sucks. Yeah. He's awful. Awful. He is pretty bad. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. All right. Tight ends? Tight ends. Let's do it. First guy up. Your guy. The heir apparent. Or should I say the hair apparent? To Jason Witten. 
the heir apparent to Jason Witten. Yeah, Dal- Dalton Schultz. So it was a down week, down week for him, down week for the Cowboys in general. Uh, unless, of course, your name was Malik Turner, then you had a great week. But yeah, with, with Dalton Schultz, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Every single year with Dak Prescott under center, a tight end on the Cowboys roster has had at least 90 targets. Every single year. Dalton Schultz is on pace to be a 90 target tight end. And he's going to get his. He's going to be on average, I would say, a five, six target a week tight end, which basically has been his his usage this, this season. And he's going to get you the touchdowns. He's going to get you some short yardage stuff, um, you know, from five, ten yards out. Is and, he, though? He only yeah. has three touchdowns, and two of them were scored against the Eagles. Yeah, he's, go- he's going to. He's going to because the way I look at it is – you have uh, Cooper Rush, who played against Minnesota, didn't really utilize the tight end much in that game. You have, well, and then you had Blake Jarwin contesting too. But, and then you had this down week versus Denver. Now when you take Blake Jarwin out of the picture, and if Dak Prescott can come back and you know he could show that this past week against Denver was a fluke, they play Atlanta at home on Sunday. Dalton Schultz is a top seven tight end for me this week. You have to start him, and I think Dalton Schultz does score against the Atlanta Falcons as well. Okay, I mean, I can see, I can see where you're coming from. Definitely, but he's a safety blanket. I mean, look who, look who Dak Prescott learned about the art of the safety blanket from, Mister Tony Romo himself. Yes, exactly. Who was Tony Romo's safety blanket on third down? It was m- number eighty-two, the greatest tight end of all time. The other cornerback. Oh, sorry, uh, the opposing corner. Disgusting, disgusting, disgraceful. Uh, but yes, Dalton Schultz, rest of, rest of season for me. He's a top 10 tight end. I have him at tight end nine rest of season. So I'm a little lower than, than the consensus I would imagine on, on Schultz. But I think that's more so because you, of the offense that, that he's in when you have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup returning soon enough, Cedric Wilson there. Um, Blake Jarwin, he, when he returns, is going to factor in as well. Then not even talking about the, the running backs that they have with, with Zeke and, and Tony Pollard. So a lot of mouths to feed there, but Dalton Schultz, is, he's, he's going to get his. But it, it, again, when you're talking about that range of tight end, it really is so touchdown or bust anyway. Yeah. And I mean, you hope to have more touchdown consistency with Dalton Schultz, because like I said, it's really been in one pocket of games. And by pocket, I mean two games where he scored his three touchdowns. And so, yeah, that would be the one thing that I would hope for Dalton Schultz that would kind of vault him into maybe even like top five, top six. I don't know. I don't know if top five is really his range because I don't think he's better than, let's just exclude the top three, exclude Kelsey Waller-Kittle. I don't think he's better than Hawkinson. I don't think he's better than Kosicki. I don't think he's better than Pitts. I don't think he's better than Fant. So right there, those are seven guys. And for me, rest of season, I have Gronk higher than than Schultz. And right there, here we are, number nine. Yes. And also with the Cowboys, you know, it's now or never for Michael Gallup. Yeah, contract year for him too. Well, I mean, just like activating off of IR. But yes, that too. Yeah, he could. He, he, he should be back this week from what I understand. Because I'm pretty sure if they don't activate him this week, then they can't activate him for the rest of the season. That's correct. So, that's correct. He has to be back this week. Um, another tight end coming back from injury 
is Dawson Knox. And looks like he's going to be playing against the Jets this week. Or at least Sean McDermott said that he expects uh, Dawson Knox to resume practicing on Wednesday. Yes, so, yes. He will be back at practice on Wednesday, which is a good sign recovering from that broken hand. My number 10 tight end coming in, and I was, I'm was i very torn between him and him and Dalton Schultz. I feel like they're very much kind of the same guys where you have in Buffalo, you have Stephon Diggs, you have Emmanuel Sanders, you have Cole Beasley, you have Josh Allen likes to do it with his legs when he's in and around the end zone. So, you know, Dawson Knox, I think Not to he's going to the running backs also. What running backs? What, what they don't know what the running position is in Buffalo, but uh, I, I digress. Dawson Knox is going to be fine rest of the season. He's going to have his games. Absolutely. He's in a great offense. He's in a great opportunity to produce. It's just a matter of him getting that opportunity. And again, it's, it's a lot like Dalton Schultz. It's a matter of can he, when he gets his number called, can he make those plays before, you know, they're going back to Stephon Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, and then the rest of the uh, the Motley crew that they have uh, up in Buffalo. But again, he has an unbelievable, unbelievable situation to, to be in. So, yeah, Dalton, Schultz, uh, Dalton Schultz. Dawson Knox is a top 10 tight end for me rest of the season. Okay. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about Dawson Knox just because, you know, he was on a pretty good run until he broke his hand against Tennessee. Uh, he only missed two games because of the bye. And, you know, it looks like that he – because, yeah, the tight end position, it doesn't take much to be a good tight end at this point, like a good option as a tight end. You just need to score. You need to be able to get into the end zone. And Dawson Knox has that ability. Yeah. And it helps when you have a quarterback too that has never thrown a pick in the red zone in his career. Still? Still. Fucking ridiculous. That's the guy. I, that's my guy. Last guy. Mike Gesicki of the Miami Dolphins. Yep. He's a name that comes up a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he does come up a lot because I think a lot of people are a little concerned about what the offense is going to be going forward. There's this QB flip-flop between him and uh, between two attack by low, excuse me, and Jacoby Brissett. For me, it doesn't matter. Mike Gesicki is a plug-and-play, you're starting him every week sort of guy. You're not even thinking about it rest of the season. He is a top seven tight end rest of the season. You are playing him every single week. He's actually number he's number six for me rest of the season. He is someone that you are setting, forgetting, and you are playing him every week. I adore Mike Kosicki rest of the season. I really do. Doesn't, doesn't matter who the quarterback is. That doesn't a matter. Surprise. That's a real surprise. He is quarterback proof in my mind. Okay, then. I think so. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's been solid, you know, outside of uh, – I will see he didn't start the season all that great with a uh, zero against New England. But outside of that, you know, he had uh, 7.1 against Buffalo, 8.3 against Tampa Bay, and then 
9.4 against Buffalo and Houston these past two weeks. Yeah, I I want to see more of what the offense looks like with Gesicki. Uh But yeah, like with tight ends, like you said, like we all said, it's all about scoring and Mike Gesicki needs to score more. He was at two touchdowns this season in nine weeks. And uh, yeah. But his floor, his floor in relation to the rest of the tight end position is also very good because you, you kind of know that he's going to be getting every opportunity to make plays. Oh, Pretty yeah. Simple. No, he gets a decent amount of targets, and that definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. And and I would say that he is he is probably, I would even say, his top four guy this week going up against Baltimore on Thursday. Yeah. Regardless um, of who the quarterback is. Regardless. One, one thing that might not be in his favor as much is that he has a week 14 bye. So that that's sucks. not fun. Yeah, it definitely sucks. But other than that, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Michael said Birdsall. I'm Adam Castor, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.